Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Happy Monday. Great day to start the week. Uh, Happy Monday. Hope you enjoyed your Mother's Day. Hope you enjoyed your mother over Mother's Day. Hope you gave her a big kiss, told her that you loved her. Uh, And welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. And we're here for part two of our conversation on Kevin Samuels, the highly popular YouTuber and social media influencer, uh, the man that I'm calling the king of the manosphere, uh, particularly the black manosphere, but I thought his uh, reach extended well beyond race. And, you know, we started this conversation on Friday. I said I wanted to go two parts here because I think Kevin Samuels, what he represented, uh, was very important. He passed away tragically on, on Thursday under somewhat mysterious circumstances. It took a long time for the news to come out. Uh, about uh, Kevin Samuels, uh, but Kevin Samuels has passed. His 1.4 million uh, YouTube following and his amazing Instagram live videos that really challenge black men and black women about our relationship and dating habits. Uh, but, and again, it, 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 I keep applying race to it, and, and, and that was his primary audience, but ex- extended well beyond that. He was a part of what I call the manosphere, and what many people call the manosphere. Uh, he was someone that had a patriarchal, masculine worldview, and explained to men and women, in a lot of times harsh terms, to be more realistic about their relationship aspirations. He was particularly hard on overweight women, and I thought, when I listened to the show, just overweight people, and it, it, like, it didn't offend me. I thought he was speaking truth, that, hey, if you want certain things relationship-wise, uh, you better be willing to do certain things, and you better be in the proper physical shape to achieve those things. Don't delude yourself into thinking that you can get those things without being in the proper physical shape. All of it spoke to me. A lot of people were offended by it. He was considered controversial. He was considered misogynist by a lot of people. I don't consider him any of those things. I considered him the next or YouTube's version of Steve Harvey. Uh, And so today, we're gonna continue the conversation with uh, Hotep Jesus, Brian Sharp, uh, one of the smartest people, out there and maybe one of the people that uh, will be a replacement uh, for, for Kevin Samuels. And then we'll end the show, the second half of the show, uh, we'll talk to Delano Squires, one of the smartest people on this show, if not the smartest person. Every time he comes on the show, I think he's the smartest person. And, but you know, these other guys, Dave Shannon and 
TJ Moe and Royce White and Shamika, they're all so smart. I'm now I'm not as comfortable uh, just signaling Delano out. These people are amazing. Delano was perhaps one of our most amazing. He'll be here to help us talk about that and a column he wrote uh, on Friday for the Blaze about political blackness. Uh, but let's first, let's uh, go out uh, to my guy, Hotep Jesus, Brian Sharp. Welcome back to the show. He's been on the show before. He's one of the founders of the Grifties, uh, one of the best award shows, a challenger to the Oscars. Um, too bad it's not award season right now, but it, <laughs> anyway, Brian, on a, on a more serious note, I, I want to start here with the conversation about Kevin Samuels. I found the whole way that this story was unpacked, the news broken about Kevin Samuels dying, I found it very odd, and the most odd thing is that TMZ didn't break this story, mm. declined in the 28 hours before it was official to even put up a post like, hey, there's a bunch of rumors that Kevin Samuels has died. They ignored mm. this story until after NBC talked to Kevin Samuels' mother and officially confirmed it. It was nearly 24 hours later before TMZ touches this story. I just, I found that odd and, you know, I'm a bit of a conspiracy person. I'm like, well, is, is the Illuminati involved in this? Who, who's, who's silencing this story? Did, did you find any of this odd? Yeah, I, that's the first source I went to, right? Usually when celebrity or individual dies or pretty much any uh, breaking news has to do with, you know, uh, frivolous topics. <laughs> Not to call Kevin frivolous, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, they you know TMZ is usually right on top of it. Somebody dies, they are usually the first ones on top of it. I used to run a blog back in the day, and I, we only beat them to one death, and that was Michael Jackson, is because I pronounced him dead before he was actually even confirmed dead because I knew I just had a feeling. Um, but TMZ is usually all over those things, right? Um, and to see them not want to confirm, it was just like, yeah, you kind of got to get your your tinfoil hat on and say, what's going on here? <laughs> So if you put your tinfoil hat on, not just about TMZ, but just like the story uh, that was circulating Friday that, uh, you know, he had a one night stand with some woman he met at the bar the night before, woke up the next morning with chest pain, fell out on top of her at some point, uh, I guess Thursday morning. And by Thursday afternoon, rumors are everywhere that he's dead, but it takes mm. forever. If you put up, what did he, was it Viagra? Was it cocaine? Was it just a freak accident? Was it, I guess he had, he had recovered from some form of cancer and maybe had health issues in the past. Mm. What are your suspicions about what we should believe about Kevin Samuel's untimely death? Well, let me go ahead and put on my tinfoil kufi to make sure the peoples don't zap me <laughs> as I say this. <laughs> uh, I believe that uh, Kevin Samuels is one of the individuals that uh, had an appointment with uh, Mr. Johnson or maybe it was Mr. Modern or was it Mr. Miser? But uh, I believe he went on. He undergo uh, under uh, took the uh, the uh, jab. Clot shot. The clot shot. 
Uh, he he actually took that thing. So um, that's my take. I'm saying uh, we need to take a look at that and take a look at the autopsy and say, you know, what kind of our problems were there? Was it a clot? Because we just saw Mr. Johnson. He got TD'd. Uh, I think it was about FDA or somebody like that. But uh, yeah, so that's that's my 10 for a Kofi take. So let me, is that based on the fact that we've heard him in one of his videos admit that he took the jab? Uh, he did, in fact, admit that he took the jab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's one of those hotels been told you moments, you know, we, we hate to, especially when somebody loses their life, we don't want to say I told you, but this is a warning we put out to people. Be careful, especially um, melanated individuals when we're dealing with these shots, because we're much more effective than other races uh, by these things. And um, I hate to say it, but I, I think we got to uh, make Mr. Johnson a suspect in a matter. Mm, I, I, I. We're probably treading on very uh, dangerous nice. ground, but I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't disagree with you. But but you, you know what I find interesting about that, Brian, is mm -hmm. that I would think, based on uh, uh, Kevin's worldview, that he would he would have been unlikely to take the shot. It, it, it seems like he's somewhat betraying the values that he espoused. He's not the only one in that space. I'm not going to call any names, but I know there's uh, at least one other individual in the manosphere space. They call it red pill, whatever it may be, who did, in fact, uh, take the clot shot. And uh, he also ended up in hospital near death at one point. Um, but you would think like these people who espouse the type of rhetoric they do, they would be much more aware, much more conscious of these things. And it seems as though this is the one thing that slipped through the cracks of their consciousness and said, OK, it was OK for me to take this medical experimentation. Let me go ahead and do this. This is this is safe. They deem that. I don't know how, but um, it seems that some people in that manosphere space, there's like a a line drawn. Uh, as, far, as far as their consciousness is concerned. When it comes to male-female relationships, it seems like they're pretty much on point. But when you come outside of that, it's just like maybe they need um, some more sources of education. Ryan, uh, put in context uh, for my audience how important Kevin, or unimportant, maybe you think yeah. he's unimportant, but how important Kevin Samuels was, and if you think he was important, why? Well, I think it's absolutely important. Uh, it, I think he has shoes that could not be filled. I think the closest to him is probably Minister Jap, but I think Kevin gets away with it because of his style, right? He's going to put on a three-piece suit. He's got the little twirly thing going on in the background. Um, and his image allows him to get away with some of the things. He puts on a gentleman uh, persona, right? But then he says these derogatory things to people, which is basically just a mirror, basically just a raw truth, things that we think when we see people but would not dare to say. And there's nobody really that's actually going to do that and fill his shoes 100%. I met Kevin Samuels. We were on the same podcast episode together on the Fresh and Fit podcast. I uh, had a wonderful time with him. And behind the scenes, I thought that Kevin was a very weird individual. And I don't mean weird in a bad way, just weird, just different. He just wasn't like anybody else, right? And um, I remember uh, one of the individuals there um, 
asked uh, Kevin about, you know, hey, how does my style look? He, he asked for Kevin's opinion. And Kevin just ripped him at the toe, like, you're wearing this, you're wearing sneakers, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I'm like, damn. Um, I didn't agree with any of it because, you know, I'm just not into the whole fashion thing. But um, I could respect his his um, his bluntness. He was very blunt. Um and uh, like I said, we sat together uh, and sat right next to him. Uh, that was the day he actually blew up. The same day he blew up was the World Star Hip Hop uh, video. And I was sitting right next to him on the Fresh and Fit podcast. And he was sitting there refreshing his phone, looking at his views and watching himself go viral. And um, I was there at that moment. And uh, we also did a Donovan Sharp show, uh, The Six. That was great. We had a couple episodes. So I've interacted with Kevin before. Um but I think he's important, right? I think he's absolutely important because. Go ahead and, hold it, on, just for my audience, go ahead and describe that moment and or what happened. You say the day he went viral. What yeah. what what do you target as the day that he went viral? What was it? What happened? Yeah, I, I can't remember the date. It was early. I want to say it was early last year. Uh, if you just type in Hotep Jesus and Kevin Samuels Fresh and Fit, the episode should pop right up. I believe we only did one episode together. He was sitting to my left-hand side. If you're watching it, that'll be your right-hand side. And um, I believe that was when he did uh, one of his first IG lives with an, another woman on the other side and he's berating her and basically bringing her deck down to earth and uh world star hip-hop picked it up and that's really what made his career take off um i can't remember exact date like i said early last year um and uh he seemed to be pretty happy is that the video elated. where he told the woman you're average at best could be it was, I mean, yeah. uh, it was one of those. Yeah, it could be that one. I can't, I can't recall. Um, but it, it, what, what was interesting to me was, like, I'm used to going viral. I've gone viral a bunch of times. I think this is his first time going viral. So the way he was taking it in was uh, uh, quite unique. Uh, but he, he took it in stride, and he was ready for it, and he was ready to make that ascension. And I think he executed the ascension really well, like 1.4 million subscribers on YouTube and, you know, whatever, whatever. But I think what it was was he found his niche, right? His niche was bring women on and then – Tell them about themselves. Are you quali- What do you want? Are you qualified for that? Right. And um, bringing people back down to earth, men and women. And I think he found his niche. And that's really what um, gave him that exponential growth. But you uh, mentioned. I mean, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was so just you mentioned. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. You mentioned that you don't think anybody can fill his shoes. Right. Why do you say that? Aren't there some candidates out there? Like I said, the closest thing to him is Minister Jap. Uh, but Minister Jap isn't clean cut. Hey, it's it's like cursing somebody out, but singing singing the curses to them in a beautiful melody, right? Kevin Samuels is giving you the truth, but he's not doing it in a white tee and a hoodie. He's doing it in a $5,000 three-piece suit, and he's doing it almost in a genuine gentleman manner. And I don't think, and, and his delivery was usually, um, very accurate, right? It was, it was precise. Um, he knew how to handle women, you know, um, in a, in not in a controlling manner, but you weren't going to disrespect Kevin on this platform. Right. Um, but he did it with class Right. There was a there was a touch of class to to it, it, he, he really had an art form. 
the way he handled people was definitely artistic. Cause I seen other people in the manosphere, they have back and forth with women and it's just like, it turns into like a big fight with Kevin. It seems like none of these things ever ended in a fight. It just always, and it seemed like women were lining up to be on the show, right? Like as much as they say, women hated them, black women were lining up to get his advice. What should I do? Da, 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 da. They loved Kevin, you know, for the most part. I think a lot of people loved Kevin. But the niche he filled, um, like I said, the closest thing is Minister Jap. But Minister Jap, in order to be Kevin Samuels, he'd have to not be Minister Jap. And I think Minister Jap is great as he is and shouldn't change. Um, but yeah, Kevin Samuels, I mean, just the way he would tell people like, what? You're fat. You know you're not supposed to tell people you're fat. Like That's just something you're not supposed to do. Like, people ain't got no problem telling that. me that. Right. People are, from, hey, I want to I, I want to play a clip from another thing that I thought enhanced his traction or relevance, his beef with Umar Johnson. Oh, and, wow, I forgot about uh, that. Dr. Umar, for people in my audience, he's like the uh, Minister Farrakhan light, light, light uh, of this era. Uh, and so here is Kevin talking about his beef with Umar Johnson. I think this is on Vlad TV. Over the course of my, my shows, I've oftentimes had women call in and say, we don't like your tone. We don't like your tone. We don't like your tone. And when I say, all right, if you don't like my tone, who does it better? And on two or three occasions, women have called in and said, uh, we prefer you like Dr. Umar Johnson. And I, I joked, and one time I, I made a clip, I was like, so you want me to talk to you like Dr. Omar Johnson? And I kind of did an impression of him and some guys who were kind of in his sector, because um, I don't have any problem with Dr. Omar Johnson. What's funny is he and I probably agree on the majority of things. Uh, we disagree on some things, um, but we're far, far more aligned. But if I had to guess, people have been trying to get folks to come at me, so I would guess they probably got shown to him and taken out of context. I can see how it kind of been insulting. And my point of making that reference was not to say that uh, he's a bad person. My point was to say that the reason you allow, uh, if I had like two kids and I weren't married to their mother, um, I get la- I get roasted for that. You know, they're finding, they're pulling my high school pictures and everybody's trying to call me gay. I'm like, they're just trying to make up everything in the world. I'm like, well, so what you're showing is if a man tells you or talks to you in a way that you like it, a lot of stuff is excusable. But if a man just happens to say two plus two is four, here's the facts, data, and statistics, look at it yourself, then you get mad and say, you're bad and we got to destroy you. So we don't have any problem. We don't have any beef. I don't have a problem with him. Mm. 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 Do you believe that? He had no problem with Umar. And I saw an interview where Umar tried, well, I wasn't really talking about Kevin. I was, he was talking about Kevin Samuels. <laughs> I think that uh, what Kevin Samuels exposed in that moment of mocking Umar Johnson was probably not a direct attack on Umar, but more of a direct attack on 
hoteps, right? And black conscious leaders, right? That Farrakhan type. And I think that's that that archetype that he was mocking in that moment. And usually when people mock in that moment, it's because, like you said, we agree on 90% of things, but it's that, you know, 10% of whatever it is that we don't disagree on. And he just expressed it in that moment, right? And it is whatever, you know, um, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't take offense to it. And I couldn't see either of those two guys ever coming to blows over that. But uh, I think that I don't think the beef was directly with Umar, but I think he definitely feels some type way about the Hotep community and thinks it's a bit foolish and childish in some ways. Hotep Jesus, Brian Sharp, I appreciate the time. I got to keep it moving. I'm a little late. Uh, I got to get to Delano Squires, but I also got to tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers, the way inflation is going in this country right now. Going to the grocery store is becoming a little bit like going to a luxury car dealership. If you haven't seen the price of meat lately, you're in for a pretty nasty surprise. Thank goodness there's a solution. They're called Good Ranchers, and they only source and sell 100% American meat from local farms and ranches. You order it, and they send it right to your door, and it's just that simple. Guess what? Maybe every time you walk into the grocery store, someone's put a new label on the meat, marking it up, but that won't happen with Good Ranchers. Once you subscribe, your best price is locked in for life. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to save on the quality you've been looking for. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my code fearless and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. Be a good little soldier. Get you some good ranchers. Uh, stay tuned. Delano Squires. Next. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. We're going to continue the conversation about Kevin Samuels with Delano Squires. But before I do that, 
I want to talk to you about my friends at First Leaf. It feels like you need a degree in grapes to find great wine. You can shop by label, I guess, or try to remember what tamins are. Shouldn't it be easier? That's why First Leaf does the hard work for you. They make it simple to discover new wines you'll love without the hit or miss. First Leaf samples over 10,000 wines a year from around the world and selects only the finest bottles. They take the time to learn what you like and what you don't, then send you world-class wines tailored to your taste. And if you're not happy with the wine you receive, First Leaf will credit you for another. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for $29.95 plus free shipping. All you have to do is go to tryfirstleaf.com slash fearless. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash fearless to get your first six bottles for just $29.95 plus free shipping. You guys know that I think I've been sharing with you guys. I love one of the things I love about living here in Nashville. It's just a four hour drive for me to get home to Indianapolis and see my mother. My mother's 82. She still likes to drink wine. We like to, I like to go home on Saturdays, play cards with my mother, my aunt, my mother's best friend, and we sit around, we play bid whist, and now we drink first leaf wine because my mother still likes to have a cocktail from time to time. So does my aunt. It's a great time. It's a great experience. They were very, what, last week, went home to Indianapolis, played some cards, played some bid whist. I won, of course, and we celebrated with some first leaf wine. Make it part of your routine. It's not expensive. Everybody loved it. Everybody enjoyed it. And I look like a hero. You can be a hero, too. Try firstleaf.com backslash fearless. All right. Uh, let's roll on and bring in Delano Squires and continue our conversation about Kevin Samuels. Uh, Delano, uh, welcome uh, back to the show. Uh, I'm going to start you off just real easy, uh, simple question. Did Kevin Samuels promote a healthy conversation for black people? Mm. I think Kevin Samuels promoted a necessary conversation for black people. Um, sometimes, depending on which black people you talk to, it wasn't particularly healthy. And, and that's both from the, the women who felt that he was misogynistic and insulting and degrading, as well as some of the other black men in the, the black manosphere space. So guys like Dr. Umar Johnson, who um, would criticize Kevin Samuels because he, he, he felt he was putting sisters down, so to speak. Um, I will say this, I, I, I do think any conversation that makes um, black men and black women reconsider how we relate to one another, the levels of respect that we, which we pay to one another, our expectations of one another, is ultimately a healthy conversation. Um, but even more so, it's a necessary conversation because um, th there's a lot of uh, tension and conflict there. Um, I think what Kevin Samuels did, he, he addressed some of these issues more on a one-on-one -on -one basis because women will call in and basically give their situation and he would give them advice. Um, so that, that plays a role as well. Um, but I think on a larger scale, um, these are conversations that we need to be having uh, whether publicly or privately. And obviously there was a market for them because he, he blew up in, in a very short period of time. And um, I think there, 
his untimely passing is going to leave, you know, a, a space and a vacuum in that particular part of the manosphere. So it's interesting to hear you use the term manosphere. I, I think it's accurate, but obviously you come at everything from a biblical perspective. And so I'm wondering the, the biblical part of you, which encompasses all, all of your worldview, how do you feel about the manosphere? What, what is your take on the manosphere? I, I think the voices and perspectives uh, of men need to be heard. Uh, I think the last 60 plus years of American culture and certainly um, within black American culture has been dominated by the matriarchy. Um, I think a lot of men feel intimidated and afraid to speak their true minds on a lot of issues um, to the point where they will say things that people know that they don't believe. So a guy will say something to the effect of, yeah, I, I'd let my son wear, wear a dress. And he'll say that publicly on social media or if, if he's, you know, around a, a group of other of his friends because he doesn't want to be seen as, you know, too traditional or adhering to gender roles or toxic, you know, and embracing toxic masculinity. So I, I, I think having a space for men to express themselves authentically is a, is a good thing um, and a godly thing. Now, to be to be honest, Jason, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Some of what I see in the manosphere from some of the podcasts, I'm thinking particularly like uh, Fit and Fresh, I think is one of them. Um, I don't think it's particularly productive. Uh, I think that guys who call men who make sort of public declarations of um, faithfulness and love and protection of their women and their children, particularly I'm talking about husbands and wives and their children, Guys who characterize those guys as simps don't have any understanding of the type of damage that they're causing. I'll give, I'll give one example, and this is actually in, in the sports manosphere space. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, I, I think it was, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it was I Am Athlete, but um, one of the guys that was on the podcast was criticizing Russell Wilson, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, they call Russell Wilson a simp, and they say, look at Ciara, she went from future to Russell Wilson. And I said, these guys have it completely backwards. She, she made an upward move, right? Future was a guy, sure, he's the bad boy. Girls, love, women love bad boys. He's a rapper, he's got the bling, he's got the, you know, all the other stuff. But Future's a guy who shows no sign of any interest in being committed to one woman and raising his children with that woman. So by the time Sierra came along, I think Future probably had at least f four, five, six different kids from several women. And Russell Wilson stepped up and said, like many men, including black men have done throughout history and said, when I take you, I'm taking everybody that's coming with you and I com commit to you and you only, and we're going to build a family together. So to the extent that there's parts of the manosphere that sees that intentionality as weak and unmanly, they are actually doing just as much damage to the prospect of rebuilding the black family as the radical feminists are. Yeah, I think Channing Crowder made the comment yes. that, that, that yes. you're talking about. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and 
here, here's the thing I think about the Manosphere, Delano, is that Kevin Samuels would have never reached this level of popularity and importance if ministers and the black church were mm. actually doing their job. Mm. He, he, this masculinity that all boys and men crave and that the world needs, it's in short supply inside the church. And, and I can primarily speak about churches dominated by black people because that's where 99.9% .9 of my experience exists. And it has become so feminized inside the church that people like Kevin Samuels, just by taking a handful of God's principles mm. and talking them out loud, built a massive following and standing on those principles boldly and proudly. And, 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 and I, I will say, and the black church, the Christian church has been failing at this for a long time because we've seen people fill this void. Louis Farrakhan at one point mm -hmm. in the Nation of Islam was providing bold, masculine thoughts about what black men should do and what relationships should look like. And we ran and were attracted to that even though we disagreed with the religion. Now they've remove religion from it, and guys like Kevin Samuels and other people, Tommy Sotomayor built a following or whatever, and, and this would not be the case if the church and ministers did their jobs. I think that's a fantastic point. Um, I, I do think that the, it's, it's weird to say it this way, but in many respects, the secularization of the church itself has made it um, less effective in being able to preach some of these messages. Um, certainly the secularization of American culture and within that black culture means that fewer and fewer black people are growing, are going to church. Fewer children are going to have the, that relatable story of going to church with, with, with their mom or big mama on Sunday. And, you know, she looking down the pew and, 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 and the kids straighten up because you realize you're about to get in trouble. Fewer kids are going to grow up with that. Um, our our gener the, the current generations are becoming more and more secular. Um, so I, I agree. I think ministers are missing in action in, in that respect. Um, but but I to your point, I think Kevin Samuels filled um, a need. Now, I'm not sure the psychology that goes into women who will call a guy who they know is going to say things that may hurt their feelings. And you can tell because some women end up hanging up or they, they, they argue with him back and forth. But there must have been something there that they were looking for. And, and this truth. goes back to one of the things that truth. And, and I think the type of masculine fatherly advice and correction that many women and especially many black women do not get. One of the biggest problems with relationships in the black community is that a significant number of black women learn everything they know about black men from other black women, many of whom have never been able to hold together uh, a successful relationship for more than one election cycle. So th there is a lot of bitter and rancid milk that's going out to the babes and the pups 
that a lot of us, male and female, have been nursing on for a long time. But when when Kevin Samuel spoke to some of these women, you could hear the influence of generations of broken relationships, um, a semester's worth of female studies classes on on the academy, swimming in a culture awash in radical feminism, the the destruction and removal of the the biblical order. I heard you and Shamika talking about this recently, of God, man, God, husband, wife, children, right? You, you could hear in some of these women's voices the eradication of all of that order and the, the sort of um, indoctrination that they have received from even a short time on college campuses. And I think what, what Kevin Samuels was trying to do, whether consciously or subconsciously, is to reverse some of that process or slow it down and at least help some of these women understand, hey, the expectations that you're setting for yourself in terms of what you require and desire and demand from a man are not particularly realistic. And and you should start to look at yourself first and ask yourself, am I the type of woman that the man I'm looking for is looking for? And if you are not, then address some of those things before you go out in, in the dating market and complain that there are no men suitable for you. So I think in that respect, you know, he, he was doing a necessary service. Um, again, it just remains to be seen if anyone takes up that mantle and in what and in what direction these conversations between black men and black women uh, go and ultimately where they lead. Well, I think the popularity of Kevin Samuels and his show speaks to, again, there is an innate attraction to truth, no matter mm. how brutal that truth is. And I think that black women and women in general know, man, we've emasculated the men I'm in relationships with so much, mm. they're afraid to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. And so where can I go to hear it uh, and, and, oh, I can go to Kevin Samuels. We don't really know each other. He lives in a different city. We're not in a relationship. And he may be able to tell me what my man is really thinking and afraid to tell me. And uh, so it's the cowardice of all of us men. And then we place ourselves in irresponsible relationships where they're founded on lying to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're good with that. Oh, as long as, you know, she's having sex with me and I got a date to go, you know, something to do on mm-hmm. Friday night. I'm going to tolerate this foundation of lies. And meanwhile, when you're not around, when you're out hanging with your boys or playing video games or out at work, she's really in an honest relationship and it may be dysfunctional but she's in an honest relationship with Kevin Samuels and she's mm. hanging on his show and complaining about well he said this and he said but it's the truth and that's why you're addicted to it people love the truth and and that's yeah. I, I was I was embarrassed I wasn't planning on asking you this but I was embarrassed by the way news one in this man's death mm. labeled him in a headline a misogynist and, and I was like, George Floyd, if he died, would they ever put in a headline that he was a career criminal murdered by Derek Chauvin? Yeah. And so Kevin Samuels gets less respect 
for building a business and being a cold speaker of truth than George Floyd, whose career was littered with crime and had an unfortunate tragedy of death, but George Floyd worthy of more respect than Kevin Samuels from a black news media outlet. I find that mind blowing. I, I agree, but it's not particularly surprising. Um, we, our, our cultural values have sunk so low that um, the people who have some of the biggest microphones in black culture will argue for a man on death row who's there for rape or murder or some other heinous crime and paint him as a victim of an oppressive system. And, and if he ends up dying, like Jason, I remember it was probably over a decade ago when, when Tukey Williams, Stanley Tukey Williams was on, was on death row and ended up being executed. I'm sure News One will write that up as, you know, reformed uh, leader, founder of the Crips, um, was was killed after last ditch effort to save his life, you know, from the governor, because you you can see the impact, as I said, of of 60 years worth of indoctrination, where uh, to be black and either conservative or a, a man who speaks hard truths to to black women is a higher offense to, than to be black and a murderer or a rapist who is, again, the victim of, of an oppressive system. So I think it, it revealed a lot about um, people in general, not, not just black people, because anytime someone who's controversial dies, people find themselves uh, unable to keep from you know, celebrating, whether it's Rush Limbaugh or Kevin Sambles. I've seen that on both sides. But I, I think you know, Kevin Sambles, I think, was so effective because in many respects, Jason, I think Kevin Samuels is who Steve Harvey wants to be, but can't be because he's shackled by the golden handcuffs at all of these news networks. All right. I, th I think Steve Harvey is a type of guy who, again, if he if the cameras weren't on, would speak hard truths. And I've seen him do this on his show where he'll tell a woman, you know, I remember one woman recently said she's 27. She's got a baby by her neighbor who's like in his 50s. And the guy doesn't want anything to do with the kid. And the guy says he's in a relationship with his cousin. And it was it was ridiculous. It was, it was a terrible situation characterized by irresponsibility and, and negligence on the parts of the adults and characterized by um, a future trajectory for a child that doesn't look particularly bright. And Steve Harvey talked to that woman the way you would expect an older man to, to counsel his younger daughter. But he knows that he has to tread lightly because it's all good when the women in the audience are laughing because they all know that what the woman speaking is saying is ridiculous. But if he ever steps on the right toe, the right bunion on the, on the right foot, and the women start to howl and say, that was misogynistic, Steve. How could you say that? Da, 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 da. Then, then he's going to suffer consequences. And I, and I think that keeps him in line in a way that Kevin Samuels, who was building his platform on YouTube, outside of the restrictions of corporate media, was able to say certain things in a certain way to certain um, women that didn't get him canceled. And I think that's one of the big differences between the two. Uh, Delano, stick with me for a quick second. I want to tell these guys about Preborn, and then we'll come back and talk about your column on political blackness. Uh, Preborn. Throughout the whole of the world, the leading cause of death is abortion. 
In the United States, murder has become a wholesale business since Roe versus Wade. We've killed over 63 million children. Nearly 25% of pregnant mothers do not choose life. The Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media are partnering to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. Preborn is the direct competition to Planned Parenthood and the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the United States. When you let a woman see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she is 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. Preborn partners with clinics in the highest abortion rate cities and regions across the country. And when the mother chooses life, they provide maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more free of charge. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women concerning abortion. 188,000 babies have been saved. Will you help rescue babies' lives? To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or go to preborn.com slash fearless. Guys, I know we have, have had good news from the Supreme Court but the fight isn't over. It's not remotely over, and we have to continue to support preborn if we want to save lives, be a good, fearless soldier. Preborn, keyword, pound 250, keyword baby, or preborn.com slash fearless. We need to continue to support these guys at preborn. All right, let's roll back uh, to Delano. And Delano, I want to talk about your Friday column, or I want you to talk about your Friday column, about political blackness and, and, and why, like, if Joe Biden and that, if he's defining what blackness is, you don't want any parts of that. Yes. So everyone is familiar with, you know, Biden's comments during the 2020 election where he was telling, you know, Charlemagne from The Breakfast Club, um, that if, if you don't, I'm paraphrasing, but if you don't know whether you're gonna vote for me or the other guy, then you ain't black. And you know, he, he took a lot of heat for those comments um, online and from his black supporters. But it was interesting because both Jamel Hill and Nicole Hannah-Jones um, ch chimed in and basically said that what Biden was saying was whether people agree with it or not was an accurate assessment, right? They, and particularly Nicole Hannah-Jones, use the, the framing of political blackness versus racial blackness. And she said, everybody knows that that is a thing. And anybody who acts like it isn't, isn't being honest. And she deleted that tweet. Uh, I, I'm, it's unfortunate that she did. I thought, I thought it was, again, an accurate assessment in terms of how people see these things. So Jason, as I was writing the column, I, I, had, I was using political blackness as the term. And right when I was getting ready to hit send, I said, no. I got this all wrong. This is Biden blackness because I believe in attribution as a, as a budding writer. Um, I believe in attribution and Biden's the one who coined this phrase about you ain't black if you don't know whether you're down for my agenda. And I think it is only right to give him credit for Biden blackness and Biden blacks. So the rest of my article was basically about what Biden blackness looks like. And I, and I say I'm not down for Biden blackness because it is a worldview steeped in self-loathing, uh, the inability to properly assess 
the threats and the barriers to progress, um, an unwillingness to speak hard truths, and an unhealthy preoccupation with the thoughts, words, and behaviors of white people. Uh, none of those things are things that I'm interested in. And, and you can tell a Biden black because these are the types of people who will say, um, you know, we need to dismantle white supremacy. Now they don't, they have no idea what they mean when they say white supremacy. They can't agree on a coherent uh, definition of white supremacy, but they know for sure that dismantling it is more important than rebuilding the black family. Um, and, and that is one of the things that characterizes Biden blacks. The other thing, though, is that Biden blackness is not just about black folks. Biden blackness is a very effective tool, um, political tool that's used by white liberals. And we've talked about this in recent weeks as well, where people, if, if they're paying attention, will notice how so many of the left's agendas, right, their, their political priorities now seem to come in chocolate versions. So the gay rights movement of the 60s and 70s was largely about the interests and priorities of middle class, white, educated gay men who wanted to enjoy the spoils of sort of suburban bourgeoisie normalcy, right? They wanted to, to have families and, and get married, quote unquote, and have property and pass that property on to loved ones. Now, every time you hear about LGBTQIA2+, SP, MAP agenda, right? It's about, it's Joe Biden talking about Transgender Day of Remembrance and how, you know, let's remember that uh, uh, black and brown trans women of color are being brutalized. And every time they talk about LGBT, black and brown always gets attached. Same thing with abortion. In the wake of the leak at SCOTUS, all you've been hearing is that these the overturning role was going to negatively impact black and brown women and LGBTQ plus women and low income women. So the, the left has gotten hip to the game. They realize that they if they inoculate themselves with the black scene, right, if, if they wrap their agenda in, in black wrapping paper, that it's a lot harder to, to criticize. So white liberals have a stake in Biden blackness. Um, black elites have a stake in Biden blackness and the people who lose out are the black masses because we end up saying to ourselves, well, I'm going to vote for my, this particular candidate because they look like me. And then that candidate who embraces Biden blackness ends up uh, working against our agenda. So whether that's in school choice or whether that's in public safety um, we end up doing ourselves a disservice because we end up accepting a race card that's being dealt from the bottom of the deck. Love the point, love the term Biden blackness. Uh, the point really, really makes sense to me, particularly considering who uh, the White House's next press secretary is, mm. a black woman who just happens to be LGBTQIA+. And, Jen Psaki made sure in her tweet congratulated. She's going to be the first black woman and mm -hmm. the first openly gay, blah, blah, blah. Every time they talk about this stuff, they put a black face on it and it's sitting out there trying to tell, but see, black people, we're gay. You're gay. Biden mm. has, that's part of Biden blackness is being gay or transgender or, or an abortion user. Anything mm. that can't produce life 
That's mm. black, according to Joe Biden. Uh, I got to let you go, Delano. Awesome job. Thank you Thank so you. much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Uh, that's tomorrow, I hear. That means, no, we won't see you tomorrow because we're off the rest of the week. Uh, thank you. Looking for the white sign, looking like it's my time, feeling all kinds of free. These words are our religion, our regrets, and our decisions. We don't want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Raise up your hands for freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want.